Hey guys, welcome to the show. It's Jordan Edwards and Demi's over here. What's up, Demi? Hey guys. We are excited because we're expanding the show. On today's show, we've got Missio for the interview, like we normally do. Really excited about that. Demi's a big fan of Missio, their new stuff. And we're also going to have Claws on the show. There are Brooklyn-based bands. They started in Atlanta. They're based in Brooklyn now, and they're going to perform a song. So that's going to be our format from now on. We're going to have an interview, and we're going to have a band on to perform. So are you excited for this, Demi? Absolutely. This is an exciting addition to our show because we are going to be having you know, our main guest. Um, they're going to throw down and, and spill the beans. But you know, allowing other guests to come on and perform a little bit. Demi, you've been talking to me about wanting to get more bands on to perform, more bands on to interview, local New York bands especially. You're a big New York music advocate. So this was kind of something that we we thought of to kind of get the best of both worlds. We're still going to have a really big, great guest. And then we're going to have another band on to perform. Like Jimmy Fallon, but better. Yeah, like, <laughs> like Jimmy Fallon, but better. That's, gonna come that's, after their us. New, that's our new tagline. <laughs> that's what's going to be underneath her. Like Jimmy Fallon, but better. But better. We're up to, four, this is our 49th show. And we really haven't talked about ourselves much because I've always wanted to have the show be about the guests, not about us. You know, that's one thing that's annoying when it comes to talk shows, podcasts, is when the host makes it about themselves and not about the guest. Mm -hmm. But I do want to bring up something about you that I learned recently. I want to know, (laughs) tell me about when you were a teenager, you trained as an opera singer. What? Jordan. Oh my goodness. So tell me about this opera singing. Where did this come from? I think I told you this like two years ago, I think. Probably. Probably. But we were, I was, I was in the studio with Demi. Demi is working on new music and we were talking about her, her musician chops and, and what she's good, good at. And she was like, yeah, I would train as an opera singer when I was 15. So tell us about this. Where, where did this come from? How far did you get? What kind of voice are you an alto or soprano? Like, tell us about it. Oh my goodness. Um, wow, Jordan, you're putting me on the spot, but yeah, I mean, I actually started in opera because I was in a, I was in a rock band through VH1 Save the Music Foundation when I was 13, uh, about from 10 to 13 as a kid. So I was introduced into the rock world really young and I wanted, I was, I was born and raised in the Bronx and I wanted to go to LaGuardia high school, which it was in Manhattan. And I never even been to Manhattan, I don't think. Um, but in order to get in, I needed to study repertoire that was classical. So my mom being the, the coolest and best mom ever, she, you know, <clears throat> She matched me with this awesome Carl Johnson, R.I.P., um, you know, an opera singer. And he trained me in classical repertoire in order to, you know, go to LaGuardia High School. And I was the only kid from my school, like in the entire district to make it at the time. And that was pretty cool, you know. And so, yeah, I studied opera for five years after that. I loved it. I loved classical music. I learned so much from from that so and do you find that you're using these opera skills today (laughs) in your rock and roll and pop lifestyle 
crazy enough, I've had to learn to un, I've had to learn how to not sing, you know, through, you know, after studying opera for five years, you train your voice to, you know, do certain things and stay safe. And um, when it comes to my band, I kind of had to unlearn a lot of those things in order to be able to use my voice in different kinds of ways. So it's pretty funny now stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've mentioned, <laughs> that's, that's great. I, I appreciate you sharing. Now we're going to talk about Jordan. <laughs> Tell us about photography. How about the next episode will be about, it'll be about like, ask Jordan a question. Okay. Okay. Then it's going to be a real good question. I'm going to make it juicy. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> well, let's get to it. Here's our interview with Missy O. And after that, you'll hear a performance by Claus. What's up, guys? How are you? What's Hello. going on? Fantastic. How's your day? Day's going well. I'm in Houston visiting my parents this weekend, and it's like mid-70s. It's beautiful and windy, and it's fucking epic. And you'll take that in Houston, because it can get pretty oh, nasty hell. down in Houston. <laughs> hell yeah, dude. It's humid as all hell. Yeah. yeah. So you guys are in two different places. Hello, David. Hi. How's it going? Yeah, I'm in Austin. This is uh, I'm in our home home studios where we write and stuff it looks and, uh, jacked more like behind you oh yeah dude so so full of so many adult toys this is where the magic happens <laughs> yeah. adult toys sounds adult. really bad sorry adult toys <laughs> that's a different that's a different that's show clarified yeah you, you know <laughs> what i mean so <laughs> disturbing yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah toys that i find fun as an adult let's say it that way there we go grown-up toys uh, yeah, yeah grown-up toys there we go See, yeah. it's a great way to start the show. <laughs> do you guys do you guys go by? Is it Matthew and David or is it Matt and Dave or like what do you prefer? Yeah, Matthew and David's great. Matthew yeah. and David. Okay, cool. So, guys, obviously, you have the new album coming out. Uh, Can you feel the sun? The uh, I guess the eponymous single. Uh, Can you feel the sun? It's such a great, uplifting, soaring would be the word. Like I feel like I'm a, I'm an, I'm an eagle flying through the sky when I listen to this. Um, so tell us about recording this album. Cause I guess you guys did this in what, three weeks or something. You banged it up pretty quick. Yeah. The, I'm just gonna, just because you said soaring, I have to immediately stop and like point out that like about every day for sure, multiple times a day, we would talk about how moments on this record felt like you're either soaring or floating. So that was like very much an intention of like that, uh, intention gives us too much credit we were like really following these vibes that were coming through this was the first song we recorded and uh that's just a vibe that we went with on this record it's so uh, it's it's the, telling, it's the lead single it's the name of the album so did you it was the first song you recorded for this for this batch of songs so did you immediately know what you had how good it was did it feel special right away to me like so the way we write, uh, we basically, there's a third guy that writes with us and he's a producer as well. And we go into his studio and we, we just write and, you know, like, and we just, it's like full on, but in order to book that time and do those things, we like to have enough songs kind of in the queue, like rough ideas, not full songs. Like, Hey, here's a chorus idea. Here's a melody. Here's, and, uh, but to me, when we got the melody for the chorus of, can you feel the sun? At that point, I didn't give a fuck what else we had. I was like, okay, we're ready. We're ready to go in, you know, because I was so excited about the melody. 
um, when Matthew, Matthew showed me this song that he had demoed out, which is pretty damn well close to the, the guts of what you hear, obviously the production and everything we had to put together. But yeah, that was when I was like, okay, it's time to re make record three. So yeah. that was, and that's what the record three became about too, uh, from well, the and, energy. And, and to tap into that, I mean, we had just gotten back from our first European tours. And so we were experiencing the world in a way that we never had before. We were meeting amazing people for the first time in a way that we never had before. We were experiencing new cultures and we came back, I mean, on fire with inspiration because that's what happens when you get to experience the world in a genuine way. And so some of the melodies that came out were based on those real life experiences, which to me, when you say soaring, that's how we felt emotionally. It was just so stoked on life that, to be able to portray that musically is, is to me what, what makes it stand out because it's based on real feeling. It's, it's fucking awesome. I love it. Can you tell me about the day you met? How did you guys initially meet? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so my first memory <laughs> of Matthew, it was at the official first meeting when we went and had coffee at like Dominican Joe's. You remember that? Was that the first official? I, I, I think so. It was either that or Brew and Brew. I can't well, remember. All right, this is class. No, no, this is definitely before. Are, the, that. are these Austin coffee spots? Yeah. I don't know if they're still around. Uh, I, I don't think Dominican Joe's is still around, and I'm not sure is Brew and Brew still around. Austin coffee shops, they, they, we have so many of them. It's such a competitive, competitive game. But, anyways, uh, so we sat down, and I probably one of the most distinct first impressions I've ever uh, had on, with somebody. Um, I believe we were generally connected by musical friends who were like, hey, this guy I produced uh, and he is a great songwriter. And so their so mutual friend was like, you guys should talk, maybe work together at some point. And he told me his, his story, uh, which is like, to, I was so shocked because his story involves, you know, going to rehab at a very young age and dealing with a lot of uh, drug, drug abuse. And, and I mean, it's just a really crazy story. And it just stuck out to me as somebody who was super honest and authentic. And like, it's just so funny that that's really the, that's really the name of, the, of what we do. Uh, like getting past all the musical stuff, I think what stands out about Missio is the fact of why, what is our motivation in what we're doing? And that stuck out he told me a uh, you know a story and, and which ultimately led him to why he songwrites which was why i've always been anytime he wanted to work with me i've always said yes you know and we've even had crazy stories that, that have been like like we we never could afford to work together in the early days the first record we did was paid for by this random person that i hardly even knew who i met randomly building him a website trying to hustle for money and he's like you ever make music that it feels like it has good energy let me know and i might be willing to pay for it i was like okay and i met matthew that very couple days later and i hit him up he's like all right i'm paying for his record matthew never even talked to him still hasn't even been able to talk to him it's just like so is destiny you know yeah. well what's and funny too is like i had hired another producer who was our mutual friend to produce that record at the time and then David came in and just demolished him in regards to like, <laughs> what he brought. <laughs> yeah. And so after that, I was like, okay, well, I mean, I got to work with David again because he fucking helped us so much. So, 
Yeah, it, it really is like uh, we tell people all the time, he is good at what I am not and vice versa. And so coming together and being a unit um, and also being somebody who is okay dropping his ego, I think that is really what helps us in a lot of different ways because we can, there are times where we should be combative towards each other and because we're both just able to be like, all right, man, we'll just figure it out. Like it, that helps tremendously. Well, you also had to, you know, kind of ignore your ego a little bit too, because you'd been performing as Missio as a solo act for a while. So you basically kind of had to share with him a little bit in that way. So what was it about his production style that says, I don't want to, he's not just a producer to me. I want him to be part of my group of my band. Dude, that's a great, point um i had a really difficult time actually early on letting him in because i'm such a control freak that i i was like and dealt with like ego shit so i was like i don't want this fucking guy to come in and like be the dude anymore and when i started to notice what our working relationship was which was like the reason why i brought him in initially was i did had no idea how to play live like from a tech perspective and David's such a, a, like a genius with technology and engineering and all like that world that we just slowly started gradually working towards, okay, let's try to get some shows down. Here's how we're trying to present from a technological perspective. And then it just turned into like, okay, well let's gradually songwrite. Okay, well let's gradually. And then it just became where we were just working together and it's been amazing ever since. Yeah. I should clarify that. Um, because we didn't do introductions at the beginning. That was Matthew talking just now. And, and David was the voice you heard previously. So one thing, I, one thing I noticed about the new music is that it's less abrasive. I mean, smooth probably isn't the sexiest. We probably wouldn't want the word smooth attached to it because <laughs> of what that connotation means. But I feel like there's more of a chill element to this new album that's not on your previous work almost kind of you have some kind of zero seven almost thievery corporation inspired keyboards and synths on here some wetter synths um so tell us about the sound of this album where it came from to get that that more chill sound our story from an audio perspective is pretty interesting because a lot of the stuff that um really defined the missio sound on early on uh, besides the songwriting and Matthew's voice had to do with the production style and like the aesthetic that we would choose. And like early on, we, we, when we were approaching it uh, and like trying to figure out what the Missio sound, I guess was, um, we were both fans of like boundaries. Uh, and I got that from Dwight, who's our third member who I grew up under um, as a producer. So these boundaries of like creative boundaries. So like the first record loner, you don't hear any hi-hat you know, there's no live guitar, there's no live bass. We were, and, and we've always been very conscious about presenting ourselves as not just a rock band, because that's not how we see ourselves. We like, sometimes that can, that can corner you. And so like, I think in a lot of ways, maybe like over obsessive about how we would present ourselves as like this electronic mutation, which what we would end up doing with them is like, in order to not sound like, like very, stiff electronic music that's put on a grid we would we would trigger and perform and and or from you know my background in engineering I, from me i would try to like 
manipulate the audio sound and like distort and that so there's a lot of like aggression and pointy sounds and like um on the earlier stuff and i think as we've gotten comfortable now with who we are and what we want to say we're we're introducing like this new record has acoustic guitar for the first time uh it has Mm -hmm. um a live drums like like live played drums like we've always done live samples um with our stuff to like kind of make it a fuzzy is it real is it but this is has actual human playing which has been i think i think those little subtle like technical details translate um into feeling more natural you know some of the things you were mentioning when you were describing it you know i just noticed and one of my favorite songs of you guys is don't forget to open your eyes and i noticed that you did have acoustic guitar in that tune um i'm obsessed with that song i think i wake up and i just want to play that song because it's kind of like a wake up for me or go to bed type of song um also i'm obsessed with the music video i really want to know where did that inspiration come from for the music video Hell yeah. Um, so we have a friend, Diego Lozano, who uh, I've known for a little while through a mutual friend and we had always wanted to collab somehow and it just never was able to work out because he's traveling kind of all over the place. And he's this guy, he's a young guy who's just passionate as hell about music videos and about um, just like creating art. And so when we were trying to find who we were going to work with on this record, obviously COVID happened. We were extremely limited because we couldn't travel. We couldn't do anything. And so I hit him up last minute. was like, dude, need you to come in on this project. We want to do 10 videos, have visuals for every song. And so slowly but surely, we started telling him a little bit about our vision and what he wanted to bring to the table as well. And something about Missio that we love to do is incorporate the idea of, of having symbolism that shows, shows masks. And we had some of that on ICU on our previous record. But... It's we all hide behind these daily masks of like, hey, we don't want you to see this part of ourselves or this emotion, whatever. And so the robot um, and some of the other characters that we have in these other music videos as well, they represent these identities that we tend to carry around in our daily lives. And what's beautiful about that video in particular is you watch him take his mask off and you watch him start removing pieces of his of his robot suit so he can dance and he can become this beautiful vibrant living being that his soul is so yeah and so it's it's just our our whole goal with this record as a whole is to try and get people to be comfortable with who they are to know that they're accepted as they are without having to try to be something that they're not because our life is short and I've spent a lot of my own life wasting time trying to impress people and trying to put these, these falsities on. And it's just, it just makes life not as fun. And, and I would always prefer being vulnerable. So uh, I'm glad that that song and video spoke to you in that way. We were talking earlier about the origins of your band name and you've talked about in interviews and I said that there's the quote unquote Wikipedia version of, of how that came about. So we would like to know firsthand the story behind the band name and the tattoo and, and that whole thing, like from your mouth. Okay. <laughs> can we see the tattoo? Yes. It's uh, I don't know if you can see it. <laughs> was that your first tattoo or? Uh, no, my first one was on my back. This, but it was close. It was probably but you, like did, you didn't, you didn't have the, the collection you have now. Uh, you no, the, the no, 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 no. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so I was in, I had been through two different rehabs and my second rehab I was in was uh, over a year. And so obviously I didn't get to see my family very much. And my sister is actually the one who sent me the phrase Missio Dei, which in Latin means mission of God. Um, and at the time I was kind of dealing with all kinds of religious stuff. And um, I love the idea of having the word mission tattooed on myself because it was a constant reminder of why I'm doing what I'm doing in regards to recovery at the time of, Hey, every time I would look at that tattoo, it'd be like, fucking stay sober, bro. <laughs> like, don't fuck up, fucking stay sober. You got this man. And it just gradually, when we were thinking about band names, um, it was like, it had to be Missio. It, it, it had a meaning. I could see it in the future affecting people. And then it also just sounded cool and looked cool. So I was like, let's do it. It was all in. Would you say music has saved your life and all your success has paved the way for your success in your personal life? 1000%. I, uh, I didn't even want to be a musician like early on. And it was when I was in rehab and it was when I started songwriting as a way of like expressing my feelings through music as a journal almost. People were like, dude, you're, you're not just good. Like you're really talented and you have something to say. And I've always had such a, such a lack of self-confidence. I was always just like, ah, no, like, no, I'm not, I'm not good. <laughs> and it just kind of, it progressed into like almost forcing myself into having to play music. And I've watched how it's healed me and I've watched how it's healed our fans too, through the messages and things that we're saying. Um, it, it, it is so supernatural in a way I can't even describe. In addition to the new music, you guys also recently uh, launched the, the Missio Mafia website to, uh, that acts as a forum for fans to talk about things. Can you guys kind of explain what that is and where it came from? Yeah, I mean, like, I think uh, it's every band's dream, first of all, to have like a group of fans that care about what you do. Um, but like a lot of times, it's just doesn't things don't line up and I wish we could take any sort of credit for this. Uh, I mean, I mean, there's some, there's maybe there's some attractive quality to, to what the message is, which is for sure. But early on, I'm going to say that we just had this really sensitive group of fans that emerged um, that from the very beginning started as like people that would go to shows and you'd see it shows a lot, but then started growing in online groups like for example there's like there's facebook and twitter and it's all these groups where there's missio mafia chats going on where we would just start to see you know um people being like oh you know i'm having a bad day and there will be people on there just encouraging them and it just kind of from that it grew into a really um just a family kind of vibe um and it's everybody helping everybody so the idea for this website was just um a central place um, that links out to all those places um, those conversations are still having but this would be a central place where people could just come and connect uh, with anybody across the world because that's the other crazy thing is that like there's as many people over in Europe and in Russia um, and all over the world really and in America they're all just talking on there and someone in Germany could be having a bad day and someone over here in the states is just uh, speaking encouragement to them and uh, I don't know. It's just such a special, um, cool, cool group of people that we're really honored to be associated with. <laughs> yeah. You've collaborated with Paul Wall twice now, I guess. Um, 
and he's obviously famous Houstonian. Um, talk about how that collaboration, how that friendship came about, and why do you think he adds something to your music? He's a he's a legend, man. Like we have actually funny story yet to actually meet him in person. So our producer Dwight is on the Grammy board of Texas. Paul Wall happens to be on that same Grammy board. And so early on, they were getting to know each other really well. And the more that we've communicated with Paul and seen what he's brought to the, to the music lyrically, that dude does more for his community than anyone I've seen, which is so funny because you associate, you know, Houston hip hop with like screwed and chopped and like you, you just wouldn't, for me, associate that with like helping your community and pouring your life and your money into like helping low income neighborhoods get out of what they're dealing with and just like all kinds of shit. And so every time people bring up Paul Wall, we always try to brag about him because he's the real motherfucking deal. And the fact that he's still around today and working as hard as he is, like he, he deserves everything that he gets. So yeah, it's been I, awesome to have him. I'm going to double, double down on that and just say that, <laughs> just from experience because we love hip-hop and we love collaborations it's very difficult to find somebody that fits in because our because every song even if it's a song that's fun and a banger there's always this like consciousness and somewhat of a of a message in the song if you will and so finding people that that can really get into it in a deep way and say stuff that that works and is relevant but it's still fits the vibe of the song has proven to be really hard for us you know with a band our level who just doesn't have Kendrick Lamar on the phone or somebody you know what I mean so um like he would come in and like he blew me away I've been a fan of his since I grew up listening to him I grew up in Houston so I mean like he is a legend to me and um when when I actually like got a chance to listen to what he was saying um on now both of the tracks um He's just a he's just a legit talented hardworking great man that uh we want to sing his praises as much as possible. You mentioned Kendrick Lamar in an in earlier interview. I saw you guys actually tried to reach out to Kendrick Lamar a while back. Um, that may or may not happen. You said at the time that you needed to be bigger, so hopefully at some point you get to be big enough. But in general, do you want to work with more hip hop artists to have? those guest verses and stuff on your, on your, on your songs. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, to me, I think the band that it's hard to put us into a box because we love being considered as multi-genre. I, I believe personally that like you, we go through each day with so many different emotions that if you're writing a song on a Monday and you're pissed off, you're not going to write some beautiful cinematic song. Maybe you will, but probably not. And so we love to do that is when we're writing just to kind of express what's happening in the moment emotionally with our personalities and then just move on. That's what it is. But I love the route that gorillas took back in the day because they're, they were like this nuanced electronic alternative kind of hip hop, kind of like syrupy artist in a way. And I thought it was so fresh and I, I, they're big motivations for us. Cause I think that they kind of opened the door to being like, Hey, you can do whatever you want. You don't have to stay in one genre. You can branch out. And so the more we can incorporate hip hop or even like uh, weird EDM features, whatever, whatever we, we want to do. I just love breaking past the boundaries of 
of the music industry and kind of the boxing in of what people try to do. Yeah, it's interesting how that has evolved, and and hopefully we don't get a rap, a true rap metal revival. I would prefer to stay away. <laughs> yeah. I like yeah. I like the whole the trend of having a band like you guys having um, legit, you know, r- rappers who have their own careers bring that in as opposed to having a rapper in the group. You know, what are some other influences of yours growing up coming out of Texas? Yeah, well, the funny thing is, is like, I mean, I guess it makes sense because our music does cover a little bit of a of a spectrum, but they're pretty all over the map and pretty different for both of us. Um, you know, I grew up listening uh, to like, I love like older alternative music and that stuff's very inspirational to me, like Smashing Pumpkins, Stone Temple Pilots, uh, bands like that. Um, and then uh, we always, we like, like from a production standpoint in terms of hip hop people that um, I think we really, really both share a respect for. Um, like I, I particularly love Jay-Z, um, specifically the Black Album is one of the coolest sounding records. Brock Hampton has been amazing. Uh, early days, uh, uh, James Blake and Sigur Ross were two of the big influences. Sigur Ross does super cinematic score type music that is, I mean, was especially to our early stuff, hugely influential yeah have you guys gotten into um thought about you know composing making music for film soundtracks that kind of thing because you guys have a good sound for that and i can picture some of these songs even being in like a michael bay movie or something you know like (laughs) that moment where you know the sun comes out or that moment where the hero busts through the door like that it's that kind of music we're working on it man we uh we actually released a documentary earlier this year and we wanted to do the whole score for it. So we ended up doing this custom soundtrack. Um, and it's still a dream of ours to be able to be invited to a major motion picture and score the whole thing. Cause I, I feel like what we bring to the table tonally really fits to what you're saying. We, we like to match those tones with visuals. A lot of the times very cinematic stuff. So, I see it all the time. I think it's it's obviously working with companies who kind of help pitch our music for opportunities. It's so competitive that it's just difficult, but uh, I would, that's on my bucket list for sure. Was your journey something that was, you guys met, you made a few songs and whoosh, or was it something that was slow and rising? Tell us about that. I think it's been slow, um, but slow in the best in the of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in, in when uh, like for instance we knew nothing about the music industry uh knew nothing about like labels anything and it was a passion project it was like hey i have to write these songs gonna get these songs out and let's just see what happens i had randomly so this guy in brooklyn his he goes by the artist named notes art um i loved his shit and so i reached out to him and i was like hey man i know nothing about this world but i love what you're doing could you give me some tips? And so he gives me this fucking Excel sheet of like all these blogs to hit up emails, phone numbers. Like I'm, I'm talking like a lot of really big blogs at the time. And I was like, why are you doing this? Like, this is, <laughs> like you spent a lot of time on this. And he was like, well, I just love artists and, and love helping people out. Okay, great. So I literally, I start hitting up all these emails uh, of blogs and the two, the, the first one was Hilly Dilly 
which is a giant blog up in Canada. And in one night we had this song called I Run To You. There was 1500 plays in the first night, which at, at the time I was used to seeing like four. So 1500 in one night was like, what the fuck, man? We're huge, we're gonna be huge. And um, it started trending on Hype Machine when the whole blog world was kind of big and Hype Machine was a thing. And it just progressed into like Europe kind of grabbing on to what we were doing early on. And then as we started branching over to the US and Alt Nation picking us up and things that started to really pick up. But I, what I love is that a lot of times you'll see artists, they'll make this giant rise of trajectory and then they'll just kind of decrease really quickly. For us, it's been much slower paced where it's like very slow and gradual, but year by year by year, the streams keep going up and up and up and we're approaching a billion streams by the end of this year which is, I, I couldn't have dreamed that up in a million years. So it, it's a testament to the loyalty of our fans and that they are listening to our music, not just once, but like over and over and over and over. It's really amazing. You guys have a, a really big, robust discography considering you haven't been around super long time. Why, why do you think you guys have been able to produce so much music? I mean, you're on your third LP, you've got the, um, the Skeletons EPs and the film soundtrack, all this stuff. So how have you been able to make so much music um, in such a short amount of time? I think, I, I think there's actually maybe two answers to that. Uh, the, the first answer, it, well, the first answer is that um, has to do with the music business and like part of the way that an artist can control their own ability to continue to like I should step back the goal is always to continue releasing music for us because that's what we love to do you know and so there's always like how do we continue to do that and one way we've done that is because we actually control our our recording process we're not dependent on anybody else like it's me and Matthew and Dwight and we go and we set time and we just do it we're able to have the next record done before the big machine has to kick in. That basically has been how we've been able to always be in a position of we have the record and that's just the process that we have. So that there's in one sense it's there's that, but then on the other sense, I'll share with you guys kind of our thought process this summer, which got very complicated into, do we want to release this record or do we not? And um, just because of the whole pandemic and there's long story short on that, there's a lot of business reasons that a lot of bands aren't for obvious reasons without touring, blah, blah, blah. But for us um, to answer specifically your question, like we had to look at what our motivation is and like, what do we want to be? Why are we even in the music business? Like, why are we artists? Um, okay, well, we have stuff to say. We want to say it. We enjoy the process of recording it and saying it and playing it live. And there's a, okay, we want to continue to do that. So we want to continue to release music. Like, and then the, the other option of delaying it until touring comes back and everything was ultimately not an option because that would prevent us from continuing to do it. And so I think the heart of it all is that we love what we do. And that's why we've we have the music. Um, some of it is the system and it forces you into that kind of competitive releasingness, but genuinely speaking, it's like the best part of our years when we get to fucking go in that studio, you know, you pot a coffee and you get to work and you get to listen back to whatever. I mean, 
I got chills thinking about it. I can't wait to do it again. You know, it's like, so that's our process. You've got some killer keyboard setup going on there. Um, what's your preference in terms of, you know, analog keyboards? Do you have any cool, like, do you have a cool, any Juno? Do you have an actual 808 machine anywhere? Like, what's your sure, gear sure. like right now? Um, well, actually, what I really should show you is this bad. Yeah, let's get a studio tour here. See. Hold on, I can't really pick it up because my laptop's kind of tied in, but you can kind of see off in wow, the corner. That's the Moog One, which is unbelievable. That's the workhorse for this record that we used. Uh, it's a badass piece of machinery right there. Yeah, so that's like the Moog Polysynth. Um, we have, I believe, the 8-voice version, not the 16, but 8-voice is uh, mucho big still. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the other ones, we've got uh, the Prophet. Uh, oh, where is that one? Oh, Prophet's over there. Just uh, Moog. Uh, a Moog uh, sequential, and then an OB6, and then this is the, uh, that's the Dave Smith OB6, and this is the Korg Prologue. But I mean, to be honest, what I think is cool about Missio is there's like, there is an element of nerdery. I definitely can be a gear nerd, but we try to like, there's a dissociation of all instruments because like first of all we're not like a normal band like i've like where you've a bass player and a guitar and that usually leads your arrangements so when we're approaching a song um like like actually when i'm setting up a studio for a missio session essentially what i have is i give matthew uh the best most dopest midi keyboard um that we can find has has good feel oh, we've been using the the native instruments one the that has the the whole the the complete, complete yeah the, exactly exactly so i kind of use that as my brain and then i take the midi out of that and we midi send to every synth at the same time and we uh including a few other ones including software synths and then from there we hit all analog pre's and we're getting a mix going in to so a lot of times what you're hearing on a missio record isn't just i mean sometimes it is just the moog one here's or just the, but a lot of times it's like for the big like chunky like block type synth things that you hear a lot of times it's like four or five synths stacked on top of each other sometimes the octave switched on different ones so that we've got the full range of sound and it's really like one of the goals is is to have was have less instrumentation but make those instruments just the most perfect melodies and stacked and thick um, so that we would we wouldn't have to uh, do as many stacking in terms of parts on this record. It would be more like more with less, I guess, was the concept that we were going in with. Yeah, we love detuning shit, uh, making it a little wobbly. And yep. it, it's been cool, too, because like. I, I, th I think that is part of our sound is the the grossness and the thickness of some of the synths because it is multilayered and all kinds of stuff. So. Um, I credit brag about David a lot because he's kind of the tech genius and I just sit behind what he puts up in front of me and I get to play shit. So it's, it's pretty cool. 
Growing up, did you guys ever imagine that you'd one day have a musical project that was so big that it was able to be your profession? Was this something that you always had in mind? I I thought of a specific memory before you even finished saying that. I knew exactly (laughs) what I was going to say. You you said that you have an engineering background. Did you want to just be like an engineer? Was that your your aim? I I fell into engineering. Uh, I got uh, engineering was something in high school I was doing for my bands because I've always been a DIY dude like just uh, I'm I just could never afford to go into a real studio do it myself like and and then you know I was always like let's save money buy gear do it ourselves then we never have to buy the gear again we'll just do it you know that's it's always been my philosophy so I just recorded and recorded and it was always about getting better at recording so that I could make my band sound better that was always like my goal but then I met uh, uh, Dwight and I started, Dwight is, a, again, the third guy I've mentioned in this partnership, but I've been working with him for probably 12 years now because I grew up under him. He hired me as an assistant in his studio, and then um, I started engineering for him, and that's how I really got a lot of engineering experiences. He would just bring it, he would be working on records just constantly. So for about five years, I was just engineering full-time at his insane work pace, which is known to be insane and uh, so uh, that's how I got my experience but um, to answer your question I went back to high school I was in high school I grew up not in a music family at all like not like at all really exposed to anything even artistic my family was very much sports and academics and so that's what I had done until I, I got a friend of mine gave me a book called Hammer of the Gods and it's a Led Zeppelin biography book and it like, it's the fucking wildest, like it, it goes through their whole like upbringing, their, like their touring years, their crazy stories on the road. But um, the, the specific moment in that book, they're writing the second half of Led Zeppelin three, which is the more acoustic uh, kind of feeling stuff that they do, which is one of the best moments that I love. And they were out in this forest um, cabin writing And I just remember like, I get chills thinking about it right now because just like being able to dedicate your life towards chasing, like documenting feelings on that level to where you have to like, there's something that really resonated with me, like removing all of the other bullshit of society, going out into the forest and and writing music. And like, I was, I was joining a band the next week. I was asking around who was in a band. I was trying to start a band and I've been in a band every day of my life really since. So like I've always seen myself like wanting to do it, but I never really had enough confidence in myself to really be like, Oh, I just, like, I deserve to be doing that. But I I've always wanted to, to do that. And I think ultimately if you want to live that way as an artist, you can, you can still, you could still do that. That exists. And it doesn't have to be tied to some level of business success. You don't need to be Led Zeppelin to be able to do that. You know, you just have to be able to make enough choices in your life to allow yourself to create and not be, not, not define yourself by whether or not other people like it, you know? Yeah. Matthew, what, what was your, what was your career aspirations when you were, you know, younger? Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah let me let me ask you real quick matthew when you were you were talking about the the stints and rehab what age are we talking about we talking about like high school or like right after high school yeah i started really young man um 
13, 12, 13 was when I had my first uh, bit of alcohol and weed and I just fell in love with it like really, really early. Um, I kind of wanted to be a pilot for a while because my grandpa was a pilot and the, the, obviously the, the path that I decided to take in life just like wouldn't allow me to do that at all. So I had no idea what I wanted to do. I dropped out of college because I was just like, I don't, I'm not interested in anything. Um, and it was, it, that's why I say it's like music has been so supernatural for me because it has forced me to do what I'm doing right now in, in a weird way. Like even there were times in my life where I fought it and it was just like, no, bro, this is your path. You're going to do this. So I, I don't know who's in control of that, but um, pretty, pretty fucking surreal. We've had some really serious conversations uh, the last several minutes here. I'd like to lighten it up just a little bit. What do you guys do for fun? I mean, you do have some time in your hands. The album's recorded. You can't tour. So what are you guys watching? What are you guys distracting yourselves with? How are you spending your, your, your non-musical hours? Dude, I straight up built a dope chicken coop in my backyard. Sweet. And I have four chicken? silky chickens. Matthew can attest. They're super cute. Uh, we've been, yeah, like my wife and I have been kind of going outdoors gardening. Uh, I've put in like a bunch more like flower beds and plant beds. And we go and look at plants and try to, you know, save plants that are dying, put them in our yard and we'll flourish. It's been a fun fun process it's turned into my little morning meditation is every day I wake up and I go outside and I water our backyard and it's helped me to uh to to recenter myself every day because there's some days that I just have no I've, I've lost the meaning of what I'm doing you know and and like some days are really good and some days are really bad and that's always just every time I'm out there I'm usually pretty good that's like an Austin thing too. I, I know that like having chicken, chicken coops and the gardening thing, that's, that's pretty common in Austin. Is to eat the chickens? Oh, no, definitely <laughs> not. Definitely Jeez, not. Dude. I'm actually, Hell yeah. <laughs> my wife and I have been, have been vegan and the, the chickens aren't laying eggs yet. And so we're like, okay, we're going to be oh, vegan plus oh eggs um, coming up um, with, uh, with them. But yeah, no, uh, silky chickens, apparently you, uh, I don't know if it's illegal to eat them, but I think the meat is literally black um, and you don't, you don't eat them. So they just, they're not really even known as great egg layers. They're, no good, they're good like pet, they're pet chickens. Yeah, they do lay <laughs> eggs. They're smaller for those of you that are interested in, you know, ch uh, ch chickens. Chicken chat. This is the yeah. new show. Chicken, Chicken chat. chat. Yeah. But damn, they're fluffy though. I'm telling you. Those chickens are fluffy. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of eating things, I'd like to play a game with you guys. It's going to be a quick one. Okay. Hell yeah. Cool. Now, okay. So you're on tour and you can have unlimited supply of this one food on tour, um, in backstage, blasting out of the sides of your instrument cases, um, mm -hmm. in the tour bus, which of these would you prefer? You can only have one, Twinkies or Oreos? Uh, we already have, Twinkies is on our rider, so duh. <laughs> I knew that one, granola yeah. or peanut butter. Wait, what was the first, well, say that again? Granola or peanut butter? Granola. Same, granola. <laughs> okay, pita chips or Doritos? Pita, all the way. Gummy I mean, worms or gummy bears? Bears. Uh, Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> powdered, 
Donuts or chocolate donuts? Powdered. Chocolate. Chocolate. Oh, we have a disagreement. Fighting words. Oh, the yeah, he's, al- he's always chocolate, and I'm never chocolate. I'm always like, no, 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 no. that's you. I'm like, like on my birthdays, because I normally celebrate with David and his wife, and they always get me like triple chocolate with like oh, chocolate yeah. on top. Like I just love- <laughs> we use it as it's like, okay, well, we never get chocolate. My wife loves chocolate. I'm clearly ruining things by not liking <laughs> chocolate in my life. That's what yeah. I'm learning here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for your time and congrats on the new album. Thank you guys. We really, really appreciate having us. It's uh, we definitely don't take opportunities like this for granted. So thank you guys for taking the time on a Friday. Absolutely. Yeah, it was real fun talking guys. Thank you. Right now I'd like to welcome Claus to the show. They're going to perform their latest single. What's up, guys? Hi. Hello, hello. What's good? Thank you for having us. We're so stoked to be here. So tell us about the band. Give us a little intro. Well, we are Amber and Graham Claus from Brooklyn, New York. And we just put out a new song, uh, which we're about to play. It's called Dance in Place. And it is a song about, like, embracing your joy and, like, staying in the moment, if you can. You know, it's a hard year, so... Yeah, we'd like to play it for you. Yeah, quit the race, everybody. Graham, in a previous life, you are a Grammy award-winning hip-hop producer. Am I right? A previous life, yes. Um, Yeah, hip-hop, amongst other things. uh, Worked with CeeLo Green and Niles Barkley and Bruno Mars. Um, Yes, that was a a time in my life that I was working with those cats. It's too bad you haven't worked with anyone that people know. You've only been really <laughs> obscure artists. Okay. There's my dad joke for the day. All right. Hey, we'll, we'll, we welcome all dad jokes here. Sweet. That's okay, our shit. Guys, uh, take it away. All right. All right. I'd rather dance in place on my 
guys. That was great. That was great. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It occurred to me actually while we were doing that 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 was the first time we've played for an audience of any kind. Yeah, that was <laughs> in a very long time. I was a little nervous. For an audience for the first time when you can't see the audience. Yes. It's a little weird. All of it was weird in the best way possible. All right, guys. So where can people find you online? All of the places. Um, our Instagram handle is at Claus Duo. Um, Same for YouTube. Check out. We're really proud of the video for Dance in Place. We had a really good time dancing around uh, our neighborhood here. It was very fun. And we made it ourselves, actually, yeah. on an iPhone, uh, which <laughs> I did not originally believe we were going to be able to do but graham convinced me and it's I'm, amazing what you can do with an iphone i'm now. very proud you have one of the newer iphones you have an 11 yes yes we shot it with an 11 we, we, not to get too geeky but yes we like rigged out what you can do with iphones now is incredible you there's lenses and gimbals and we uh yeah we rigged it out and shot it with the iphone and we're we're super stoked on it well thank you guys so much for being on the show we really appreciate it thank you so much thank for, you having, for us. having us we had fun it was so fun Thank you to Missio and Claus for being on the show. And thank you for listening to It's Real with Jordan and Demi. Follow us on Instagram at Jordan and Demi Show and go to popdust.com for an archive of past shows. See you next time. <laughs>